in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Folks at 107, 107 on this Friday. Good afternoon. It's the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. This portion of the program, folks, it's going to be a big weekend at the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of Route 146. What are you doing right now? You could pop by. What a beautiful day it is on the deck there. They have the outdoor seating, or you could sit inside in the dining room, and then they also have the dining room. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, delicious food and drink. Boy, this would be a nice day or weekend to sit out there, have some delicious clam cakes and chowder, whatever. They have a great menu, great staff. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Um, I want to um, jump around just a little bit. Um, I want to bring the latest now on the situation that we're getting we are getting more information on some of the items that they found at mar-a-largo so i believe and i fully get it that some people are um in a little bit of denial on this whole thing uh you know i i still the the story i find puzzling very very puzzling i think the actions of president trump and his I, I, I don't know of anyone that is defending the legal team. All right, here it is. Um, empty folders that had contained classified files were found at Mar-a-Lago. That seems to be a problem. Let me also, let me say a couple things. If you don't believe there's, there's, no, there's no such thing as classified information, well, then I, I don't know, like, I don't know what to tell you on that. If you're one of those people, there's no, I mean, think how ridiculous that is. There's no such thing as classified information. There's no such thing as secret clearance. Some of the things that people are saying just doesn't stand to reason. Um, you know, I, um, I'm not going to even give a good analogy on this, but let me just give an example that I know of someone right now who is cooperating and is a witness in a murder investigation. And I I can tell you that, you know, that person and their family and friends are very concerned about their safety. And you would like to think that police would be, um, would be, you know, cautious about allowing that information to get out that this person is in fact, the person did nothing wrong, that they're cooperating in a a murder investigation. So for people to almost be blasé, I I don't relate to, I don't get that. So you don't think it'd be a big deal. Like if if you don't believe in our government, if you don't believe in the United States, if you don't believe that we are, you know, the, the greatest country in the world, then there's nothing I can say that's going to change your mind on that. President Trump, as president, would get daily briefings first thing in, you know, every single morning. I, I, I just, the actions seem very cavalier at best, but you're, you're talking about that you can't be naive. I think some people are. I don't think people realize that there, there are foreign adversaries that they, they'd like to have the equipment to be able to eavesdrop on conversations in the Oval Office. That's why they have, you know, secured rooms, bunkers got to go down. And I mean, there, that stuff does exist. Maybe some people don't believe that. There are spies in this country. There are people trying to do surveillance to get information on the United States, and by the way, all other countries, but so for the people just be like, oh yeah, no, he, those are his. I, 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 there is, you know, there is a rhyme and reason to how things operate here. 27 documents 
marked top secret, secret or confidential, were found by the FBI in uh, President Trump's Mar-a-Lago office. 76 more were seized from the former president's storage room. So that, that's, a, that's a lot of documents. <laughs> not that I, I, you know, I'm not breaking. I, that, that's, that's a lot, right? That's a fair question. Why would you have them? I, I don't, this whole business of, well, they were his. It, it, you know, I, I don't know how to say, it just doesn't, it doesn't work that way. And I think people sound foolish that, that some of the people that have emerged in this thing, like the Cash Patel and John Solomon and, they, they don't know what the hell, you know, certainly not the female attorneys he has. Those two, Alina, whoever the other one is. Notice, what happened to Christina Bob? She doesn't seem to be doing any more interviews. The FBI found 48 empty folders that had contained classified documents at Trump's home. A detailed inventory item seized raised the question whether the government had fully recovered the documents or re- remained missing. You know, empty folders, that the FBI search... A former President Trump's Florida club residence recovered 48 empty folders marked as containing classified information. A newly discovered, uh, this, this was just posted at 103. Newly d- disclosed court filing shows, raising the question whether the government had fully recovered the documents or any remain missing. Let me also be clear, those are not his to destroy. So just get that out of your mind. The filing, a detailed list of items retrieved in the search, was unsealed on Friday. It's part of the part of the court fight whether to appoint an independent arbiter. Along with the empty folders with classified markings, the FBI recovered 40 more empty folders. They said they contained sensitive documents that the user should, quote, return to staff, secretary, military aid. It also said agents found seven documents marked as top secret. President Trump's office, 11 more in the storage room. You know, I, I, again, I, what, are people saying that they shouldn't have gone in to get them? I don't hear a cohesive argument coming from the other side. If that is the case and they are government property, he shouldn't have had them. And whoever was telling him he could keep them made a huge mistake. They all should have been given back. The list in the accompanying court filing from the Justice Department did not say whether all the contents of the folders had been recovered. But the filing noted the inquiry into the president's handling of the document remained an active criminal investigation. It also shed further light on how the documents marked or classified were stored haphazardly in boxes or in containers. I can tell you that those two attorneys that you've seen on television, uh, Alina and Christina Bob, they don't have top secret government clearance. They don't have it. So therefore, they're not even supposed to be around it. Here's something. Now, there are some people that, if you don't respect the process, there are documents that they show to people, and you're not allowed to take a picture or leave the room with it. It's that secret in nature. Country government secrets. Now, if someone waves that off, or it's all BS, or what about Hillary's emails, or that, that, that's not what this is. The inventory listed seven batches of material taken by the FBI from President Trump's personal office that contained government-owned documents, photographs, some marked with classification levels up to top secret. Some were not marked as classified. The list also included batches of government documents been in 26 boxes or contained in a storage room at the compound. In all, the FBI retrieved 18 documents marked as top secret, 54 marked as secret, 31 marked as confidential, and 11 thousand government documents or photographs without classification markings. What, like, what is this? Federal judge in Florida ordered the inventory list to be released during a hearing on Thursday, determine whether the special master. Trump also appeared to acknowledge on social media that he knew that much of the material was at his estate, complaining about a photograph that the Justice Department released that cataloged some of the evidence had been seized. Photographs showed several folders with top secret markings and some documents with classification markings. All the material was arrayed on a carpet near a placard labeled 2A, presumably make a record of what was in a box of that number before the FDI, FBI removed from Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> a shorter inventory released earlier said box 2A contained materials found in his personal office. In a social media post, the former president declared the folder has been kept in cartons rather than sloppily left on the floor suggesting he had been aware of the presence of the materials. Now, I don't think that sounds good. 
in May, after extended negotiations between the National Archives and Trump lawyers failed to result in the return of any documents from Mar-a-Lago, the Justice Department issued a grand jury subpoena for all material marked as classified that remained there. In early June, two lawyers for Mr. Trump turned over some of the material while telling investigators no other remained. That was a lie. Folks, you can't lie. The inventory released on Friday, which detailed what the FBI discovered in early August, offered the clearest picture yet that the promises that all sense of material had been removed were untrue. That's a problem. Maybe it's the lawyers then, but that's a problem. In the government filings that accompanied the inventory list, prosecutors noted that Justice Department review of the material seized in August was only a single investigative step in an active criminal investigation. The investigative team will continue to use and evaluate the seized material as it takes further investigative steps, such as through additional witness interviews and grand jury practice. The government released a less detailed inventory of the seized items three weeks ago. At the same time, it unsealed the warrant. Shortly after it was unsealed, a spokesman for Mr. Trump denounced the government on Twitter. The new detailed inventory list only further proves this unprecedented, unnecessary raid of his home was not not some surgical confined search and retrieval the Biden administration claims was a smash and grab. The expanded inventory did not disclose the specific type of classification. By contrast, a redacted version of the affidavit, you know, I've just realized, I did see someone was saying they wanted the, they wanted the Hillary emails. Nope, they were going for the Hunter Biden, I mean the Hunter Biden laptop. The Hunter Biden laptop is not top secret, folks. The inquiry expanded after the Justice Department retrieved additional documents classified from Mar-a-Lago in response to a subpoena. At the time, two lawyers for Trump told investigators that's all that remained. <laughs> I can't believe this story. I, I just, it's so... Um, just, uh, you know, and last night, be, let's be very clear. You know, Biden calls on Americans to res- resist threats to democracy. I... The lighting and the whole thing was just so over the top. Trump's activity on Truth Social openly promotes far-right ideas. I, I am saying right now, I, and I this this is a mistake that he is embracing. The whole QAnon stuff. I'm telling you right now. Declare the rightful winner. We need to have a new election. Now, he's not going to announce until after the midterms now. That part seems clear. And let's see where he is now. He's got a lot. He's juggling a lot. Folks, this raid, this raid was the last thing they needed. I'm seeing right now, Trump has now amplified QAnon promoting accounts at least 24 times this week. Since the beginning, using Truth Social. Um... Some of the stuff, let me just read some of this stuff. Uh, Let's see. Uninstalling Deep State. Please be patient. Um, Think SC vote to confirm coming. I don't know what that means. I know some of the stuff because people have been sending to me once again. This is Mike Flynn is big on this whole thing. Where we go one, we go all. That's a QAnon thing. Uh, Let's see. This is MAGA country. (laughs) Um, I I respectfully don't think this is a step in the right direction. (laughs) We really want to go back to all this stuff. Why do we want to go back to this stuff? Really? I I don't... Everything was rolling here. Everything was rolling for the return for 2024. I don't... um, By the way, Tom Brady is in the news. The New York Post is reporting there's big problems with him and Giselle. She doesn't want him playing anymore. But I don't know what to... Make of that, he's been in the spotlight. They're claiming that's what the 11-day thing was about. There's also, there was the thing in the Boston Globe that he's going to be the mask singer on Fox. <laughs> hey, they're paying him a lot of money. Maybe that was part of the, uh, maybe that was part of the deal. All right, let me just see what the Gateway Pundit 
is saying. Ugh, this nonsense. Um, Patriot with Bullhorn interrupts Joe Biden's sick speech. All right, well, that that's fine. CNN changes color of background lighting of Biden's speech to make it look less evil. <laughs> uh... He doesn't talk that way about foreign adversaries. You know, that's a very good point. His number one enemy is the American people. That's a very, very good point. A confused Biden can't even remember the name of his commerce secretary. Well, Governor McKee couldn't remember the name of the superintendent of Providence. Um, Department of Vet Affairs to provide abortion service to pregnant veterans and beneficiaries. Let me think what else. President Bush is Irish dementia. Um, Trump endorsed Carrie Lake takes questions from the only re- real reporters at the press conference. I, I <laughs> Pedo Hitler trends on Twitter following his tyrannical and threatening speech to the nation. Toronto news anchor swallows the fly and continues to read the news. I agree with Tucker. He did. He did. Uh, that Biden speech did go to a dangerous direction. Steve Bannon swatted at D.C. home for second time on same night. Uh, Biden declares war against MAGA Republicans. What happened? War was swatted. Oh, hoax call of a shooting at his Capitol Hill home. They found no evidence of a shooting. All right, well, whoever's doing that should be held accountable. I mean, you can't do that type of thing. Now, folks, closer to home, closer to home. Uh, Channel 6 had an interesting piece last night. I guess I could play it. They, they stopped people, and they were asking them, asking the individuals about who are these people running for office. I. This is another example to me why everyone doesn't need to be voting, but... Uh, let me see if I can find that. I did watch it live last night at 11. They were stopping people. Here it is. Rhode Island is stumped on a lot of the people that are running for office. Yeah, I'll, I'll play this. Your voice, your vote. Recent polls on the races in Here we go. This is ABC6 last night. A large number of undecided voters. Does that mean candidates are not connecting with potential voters, or is it just apathy? Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight. I'm John Luca. And I'm Tiffany Murphy. With that in mind, we wanted to see if the average Rhode Islander even recognized some of the top candidates on the ballot this September. ABC6 News reporter Daniel Coates joins us live in Providence. And Daniel, you spoke with some potential voters tonight. I did, Tiffany, and we wanted to put those polls to the test. So what we did tonight was we came to the Providence Pedestrian Bridge and brought this poster board with candidates across multiple different races in Rhode Island. You can see Governor Dan McKee, Matt Brown, Nellie Gorbea, and Nervo LaFortune, all in different races. And what I wanted to ask Rhode Islanders tonight was, do you recognize your candidate? And do you know what your candidate is running for? And the majority of the people that I talked to tonight were stumped. The only Rhode Island politics I know of Rhode Islanders showed off their knowledge, or lack thereof, of candidates in the upcoming primary elections, under two weeks away. Governor McKean, I know the Gordia, the state presidential. That girl, I don't know who she is, Central Falls mayor? This girl, I'm not sure. With voter apathy at a high point, we asked Rhode Islanders on the province pedestrian bridge just who they could point out in the race for governor of Rhode Island, mayor of Providence, and second congressional race. Yeah, no, no, you're right, you're right. Do you know who these, these two are? No. Who is it? So that's Governor McKee. Okay. The majority of voters struggle to identify the state leaders but primarily the candidates for mayor of Providence, stopping almost everyone we spoke to, even Providence residents. One of them is Angelica Infante Green. I don't know which one, I think. Do you know anyone on the bottom row? 
met Sabina Matos, but that doesn't look like her. So, unless I just am not recognizing her. A small group of voters were able to name all of the candidates. Nelly Garbea. Regardless of their knowledge, everyone said they plan on hitting the polls this fall. Usually I don't do primaries, but um, I definitely vote. Will you folks be, be voting this fall? Yeah, and I'll be voting for literally the ones, one I know. Whether you plan on voting or not, Rhode Island primary elections are set for September 13th. Live in Providence, I'm Daniel Coates, ABC6 News. All right, so again, you know, I, I like that they're trying something different. I like that they were trying something different. Last night was also, folks, good afternoon at 127. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 909.9 FM. Now, also, um, you know, I, I didn't watch this just because I, oh, Jeff Deal was on 10 News Conference. Well, let me play some of this. I like Jeff. He's got the primary, folks, Massachusetts primary coming up on Tuesday. And, uh, I think Jeff should prevail. He's got the Trump tele-rally coming up on Monday. Oh, good. All right. I like Jeff Deal. Sat down, got a little time on 10 News Conference. So let's hear a little bit how this goes. We'll have him on for the, the general, obviously. Uh, but I like Jeff a lot. And he's a good candidate. He should pre- prevail on uh, Tuesday. Let's hear a little bit of this uh, Jeff Deal. From well, that leads me. If you become governor, you're going to help the South Coast more than ten news conference. You know, it's a big issue. They feel they're left out. I used to live in a town. I was on the finance committee in a town. I ran for state representative in Whitman because I felt we had a state representative that was voting more for what was important for Boston than the suburban town that I lived in. So yeah, the South Coast, uh, South Coast Rail. I think we should be looking. Uh, beyond Massachusetts, maybe into Rhode Island to help bring better community options for everybody that live in the area. Is that South Coast Rail ever going to really happen? I think it will. The year we report, yes, yes, this is the year they're breaking ground, the tracks. It's going to happen. My wife and I were strap hangers in New York City when we met, and we never had a car for five years. We believe in public transportation. I want to make sure that's one of the promises that government keeps for people. Right. What about helping Fall River and New Bedford with cash? Yeah, well, I mean, there's great tourism available for Fall River and New Bedford um, beyond just the fishing industry that tends to support them as well. Uh, so, yeah, no, I think those are areas for uh, additional development. Yeah. Now, after the pandemic, I think we've seen that people don't have to necessarily work in Boston. They can live in some of the other gateway cities around our state. Mm-hmm. And I think that gives us an opportunity, as long as we provide the transportation, to allow them to move into other uh, areas of the state that are more affordable. Okay, let's get the litmus test question out of the way. You're a Republican. What does Donald Trump mean to you? Well, he's endorsed my race, which is uh, fantastic. My opponent uh, in this primary voted for Hillary Clinton in 2016. I think that's a real disqualifier uh, come election day and next Tuesday. But uh, the fact of the matter is uh, I supported President Trump in 16 in Massachusetts. Yep. I was the only Republican to do so that's because right. I saw him as someone who had been successful, wanted to give back to a great country that right. had given him those opportunities. Same thing for me when I was serving on Beacon Hill, trying to make sure that the people, the working folks of our state are represented fairly and not special interest and, you know, Beacon Hill insiders or big government insiders. Okay. So you're not running away from Donald Trump. You know, we've got a congressional race down here. They've got the Republican with a MAGA hat, and they're making a, a hay out of that. It's his first thing the Democrats We had a great four years. years. Is there one with you with a MAGA hat? No, <laughs> no, but we had a great four years under President Trump. And right now, the economy is in free fall under President Biden. I think it's very clear that we had a strong leadership in that administration. Mm-hmm. Right now, foreign policy is also failing. So I think we uh, can look forward to 24 as, you know, we'll see what happens whoever becomes the president then. Right. But my job as governor is to make sure that the people of Massachusetts are represented by someone who cares about them. And that's always been my focus. Before Trump came on the radar, I was elected in 2010. So I've been around way before he came in. Now, uh, Governor Baker has, uh, he's had great success. Uh, He's number one in every poll. You look at a Republican in the blue state. But he kind of keeps Donald Trump at arm's arm's length at times. Isn't that a good role? Isn't that a good way to do it? You know, I'm a Republican, but I'm a, a New England Republican. We're different. And he keeps Trump at arm's length. Yeah, look, I mean, again, this race is, to me is not about President Trump. It's, this is all about uh, what we're currently going on. 
going on economically, but also, again, what's important for Massachusetts? Some of the big key issues that I see are medical freedom, people who got fired in Massachusetts because of the vaccine mandate, nurses, my running mate's a nurse who got fired. She was uh, breastfeeding at the time, didn't want to get the vaccine. They fired her. Uh, state workers, state police officers, MBTA workers. Why do you think the T right now is having such major problems? They're understaffed. And that's because a lot of people either took early retirement or they were fired because of the vaccine mandate. So medical freedom is a key part of, I think, what's going forward. Now, you were in the legislature, so you've been in politics in 2018. Then you ran against Elizabeth Warren. That's right. Which was a heavy lift. <laughs> you know what? It was really important to make sure that at least a conservative viewpoint was uh, put out there. She had said that law enforcement was racist from front to back. And I have family members in law enforcement. I was really offended by that. I think a lot of people felt that was a destructive comment to make back in 18. And now in 20, or not now, in 2020, Maura Healy, who's going to be running for governor, uh, you know, my likely opponent right. in, the, in the general election, said during the riots of 2020 when there was arson and murder and looting, she said, yes, America's burning, but that's how forests grow. Basically condoning the violence that was happening around the country, even in Boston and, and cities around uh, this region. So to me, that's a real disqualifier for her as well, but she's going to have to answer for that in the general election. You brought up the, med the, the uh, med medical issues along with the pandemic. Are you vaccinated? I am vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, so you have no problem with no, that? No. Vaccine boosted? What happened to my body, my choice, though? I mean, yeah. this, that's always been the belief with a lot of people. Medical decisions should be made between you and your doctor, not government getting in there and forcing you. And people lost their careers. I mean, people who dedicate their lives to becoming nurses, firefighters, police officers, mm -hmm. they lost their careers. They can't go back. The, the way they were discharged as state police officers, they can't work in law enforcement again. Okay, well, isn't that history now? Uh, so well, I hope it is. What I is, it if, it is. So if I put you in, are you going to remedy that? Are you going to compensate them? On day what, one, what's your plan? Day one, I hire back every state worker that was fired, put them back in place. And day two, I remove anybody in the administration that thought that was a good idea. That's the first promise I have. But we need to also make sure that there's economic freedom. Right now, the state of Massachusetts mm -hmm. has over $3 billion in excess tax revenue that they have to return back to the people. We need to make sure that those uh, decisions on Beacon Hill are benefiting small businesses. And for example, uh, because they're the one that grow the jobs and help yep. create the better paying jobs. Right now, the legislature got $5 billion in pandemic relief money mm -hmm. from the federal government. And instead of putting that to uh, refilling our unemployment trust fund, which was depleted about $7 billion, mm -hmm. they spent it on pet projects. A $200,000 pickleball court in Beverly was more important than trying to help those small businesses get back on their feet after they were shut down. And, and not just shut down, but the employees were given incentivized uh, un, un, enhanced unemployment to stay home. And then if you survive that as a business, you get back and now the government, the state government's going to assess you with yeah. a portion of that $7 billion that they didn't uh, they didn't pay for with the money that was already in, you know, coming in. You know, it looks like to me you need $3 billion worth of repairs on the T-system. You've yeah. got the orange line down. You've got problems on the green, the blue. You've got the black and blue line that's going to be next. <laughs> From what I read, now, you, now let me just, you were in the legislature. Yes. Uh, so the, the, some of that on your watch, the neglect goes way back. You know what, I'll tell you one further. I, in 2014, I led the repeal of stopping our state gas tax from going up automatically with inflation yeah. because I knew that we, we already had plenty of transportation money in the coffers. We were, we spent about $675,000 per year per mile to maintain our roads in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. They're in the bottom as far as condition. New Hampshire has the same frost-thaw cycle. Rhode Island has the same frost-thaw cycle. We have the ability to do our road maintenance a lot cheaper. There was a lot of waste I found during the 2014 ballot question campaign, and I know that we can redirect the money. It's not about the funds. It's about better management at the T. You know, right now, I think what happens is governors bring in consultants. They bring in, uh, you know, political hires to get in there. And the, the workers who know what needs to get done, they get shut down. They don't feel like they should raise their hand and say what they need to do. I want to re-empower those workers, right. too. Well, listen, you're a Republican, so is Charlie Baker. Are you sure. tight with him, close with him, or not very much? I supported Charlie in 2010 when he lost, 2014 when he won, and in 18 as well. So, look, I, I'm glad that he's been uh, governor of Massachusetts. Yeah. I just think there's some room for improvement at this point. Well, you're being very kind to him. The teeth fell apart on his watch. Yeah. So did some other things. You had state police scandals. Yeah, yeah, the Holyoke soldiers. He, he, listen, he's the golden boy. You know, no, he beats him in the rankings. But if you look a little closer, this you can find stuff. Yeah, but I, you know, my job is not to try to find fault in what people did. My job is to spend time trying to fix those things and make things better for the future. So I want to make sure again where we bring in our tax dollars, we spend it with transparency and provide the services that people expect from the state. All right, let's learn a little bit about Jeff Deal. You're <laughs> married with two children. That's right, 20 and 16. My oldest is in college right now, and my youngest is a junior in high school, and she's a. Uh, I hate to say it, yeah. she ran for class president, and I was so nervous, but she won, which was nice. Redirect her away from politics. I'm trying to get her. Good dad. Uh, <laughs> you take out student loans. 
Did I? No, you just you, 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 you take it out for your daughter? Yeah, we pay a portion. My daughter has a portion as well. Okay, so she carries a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, do you take out student loans? Well, again, yes, we, we borrow for the, okay. for the education. Okay, Parent Plus loan? Uh, well, I think we're using MIFA as, uh, our, as oh, okay. our lender. Oh, okay. So you're borrowing. Yes. Right. And what do you make of this this uh, forgiveness? I'm not uh, for it. From the Democrats. Yeah, I'm not for it. I got to tell you, I, you know, I got help when I ran when I went to college. And, yep. uh, of course, I paid back part of my loans as well, or part of my college cost as well. Mm -hmm. uh, we all go through that. And if you make that choice, you decide to do that for your future, I think you need to be obligated to fulfill those promises that you made to pay back those loans. But on top of that, I don't think it's right that a certain portion subsidizes a smaller portion mm -hmm. of the workforce. A lot of people go into the military after high school, into a trade, maybe into a small business, uh, whatever. Uh, only about a quarter of people go on to four-year college after high school. And is it right for everybody else to pay for them? And then there's no obligation to the degree that they get. And there's no obligation for the college to have, have any accountability of the kids they're, they're churning out getting jobs. Mass Maritime, I will say, is one of the big exceptions. It's almost 100% job placement when you leave Mass Maritime. Mm -hmm. So that's a great choice, I think, for kids. Um, but at the same time, I don't see that uh, government should be in there subsidizing you know, a portion of people for right. a decision they made privately to uh, get further educated. You're originally a Pennsylvanian. That's right, Bethlehem, uh, Pennsylvania. But you spent time in New York. You transplanted here just on a brief conversation. That's right. Right. And you own a performing arts school. Tell me about this. Well, so my wife had just done a Broadway show when we met in New York City. Okay. And uh, we went to L.A. for a few years. We got engaged five months after we met, married a year after that. Folks, we again, I, for a few we've years. had Jeff on. TV that show. is uh, Jeff Deal. He, um, I, I, I see, you know, I think Jeff, again, good afternoon, folks, from 138. Uh, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 .9 FM. Jeff is... Um, involved with the primary on Tuesday. I think it'll be successful. We'll definitely have him on in the general. I mean, we'll definitely have him on during the general. I think he'd be a very good governor. I'd like to support him any way that we possibly can. Uh, I think so highly of, of him. So, but we'll, um, we have plenty of time ahead uh, to, you know, talk about that, cover that particular race. I think, um, he he is. Um, I I think he's poised to. There's a there's a lot here. I, I'm not sure about the strategy where they're just completely ignoring the how they're just completely ignoring. The uh, main, you know, what is known as the mainstream media. So I, I know that maybe nationwide somebody wants to do that, but I, I think because I think he could. I mean, I know he could handle it. I know he could handle it. And so I don't, I don't know who. I, I kind of get it. Maybe I don't know why they didn't think that in a primary. But again, that's people make their decisions. Somebody thought that would be the right move. Somebody thought that that would be the the right way to go with it. So I'll um, I'll defer to them, and then he should be successful with the primary coming up on Tuesday, folks. Right now at uh, one forty, let's. Um, it is Friday afternoon, and let's see if we can. Uh, well, I know we can. We're going to reach the Queen of Health. This is um, what a beautiful Friday afternoon, folks, on this Friday, September 2nd, as we're about to kick off the holiday weekend here. And um, just folks joining us on the line right now on this beautiful Friday as the Labor Day weekend is about to kick in is our friend Marie at It's My Health. Good afternoon, Marie. Good afternoon, John. Happy Labor Day weekend. Happy Labor Day weekend is exactly right. Marie, the weather is terrific today, tomorrow. People are back at school. People are winding down their activities at the beach. But more important, people are very focused on the health. And I have a feeling the traffic on Menden Road today and tomorrow, it's going to be very, very busy. This is the time to pop it and see what it's my health. Oh, yeah. Well, it's nice and quiet before the kids get out of school. That's exactly right. Now, Marie, it is starting to get a little bit cool. I think uh, something that, I, number one, you offer so many wonderful products. But one of the things are the delicious different types of tea that you have. 
We're definitely coming into tea season. It was tea season this morning. It was a little cool. Yep. What is some, uh, give us an idea of some of the different unique teas that you have that people may also like for the September, October season. Well, we have a number of therapeutic teas, but if you're just looking for one, you know, to relax, to to enjoy, um, you know, you can do something like an elderberry tea. Um, That's going to be good for the immune system, but it's pretty tasty, pretty yummy. Um, Berry basil lemonade tea, very berry tea. We've got an apple spiced tea. That would be great as the weather starts to to cool off. To have that in the evening would be really nice. Um, We're not quite ready for like the warming crimson berry tea. That's a very warming tea. But um, but no, on a chilly night, that that could be good. Folks, again, we're speaking with Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. And Marie, if you don't mind, so many people are asking and talking about the hemp and CBD products that you have, not only for people, but also for pets. You're very knowledgeable on it. Maybe if people have questions, but I I know firsthand you've seen great results from people using it. Oh, absolutely. You know, the proof is in the pudding, right? People come back and get more and they bring other people and share the information with them. So it really helps. Pain is the biggest thing, but also anxiety, sleeplessness can help, you know, it can help with that as well. And also, Marie, folks, again, it's Marie, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie, also, what about some people start to get uh, with the change of the season a little bit? Maybe they're allergies bother them or sinuses you have all sorts of different things that can help people with some of their ailments yeah some of the the sinus sprays we have a a few of those that can be really helpful for allergies we have homeopathic remedies they're nice because they don't interfere with other medicines and they're you know they're gentle but they work um and we have a couple of other herbal formulas that work really well as as well just takes the edge off and and helps you to get through the day without the drippy nose and the itchy eyes. Now, also, Marie, the other night, I want to say uh, hello to Kevin. I ran into Kevin, and he was asking me, uh, and I couldn't remember the name off the top of my head, but the product that you, you and I discussed that helps people, it helps you stay hydrated. Um, if you could just touch on that, because I know that Kevin is listening. Yeah, we do have some some blends. They're powders that you can put into water. So coconut is the basis of it because coconut water is very, very hydrating. Then they add some other flavors into it. So there's a few different ones. We also have um, these drops that are just electrolytes. And you can just put that into whatever you're drinking. And that will help to to build those electrolytes back up in the system that you might be losing if you're sweating a lot. Folks, it is Marie at It's My Health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Marie, what are your hours for today, this Friday, and also for tomorrow? So today, today we'll be here till 5.30. Tomorrow we'll be here from 9 to 3. All right. And I want you to get some rest over this Labor Day weekend. Absolutely. It's supposed to rain on Monday, so All right. I guess so. Folks, she is the queen of health. Marie, great to talk to you. Happy Labor Day weekend, and we'll talk to you again. Okay, take care. All right, folks, there it is, Marie. It's my health, 1099 Menden Road in Cumberland. Right now, it's 144 on this Friday afternoon. You're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. Let me just say this. I had someone just email me about these classified documents. Um, you know, we'll, we'll obviously continue to get more information about it. But there is, I, I'm going to go back to May and specifically June, we don't know everything. But what we do know is that seemed to be a pivotal time. In June, when the FBI and Department of Justice visited Mar-a-Lago, when they they actually even saw President Trump greeted them and said, hey, whatever you need, any documents they had. And that attorney that signed saying she had done a thorough search, any documents they had, it sounds like if right there, if they had been returned, all of this could have been avoided. I I mean, we may learn more.
And I have someone that's emailing me and they're trying to talk about the difference of classified and declassified and then who could see them. Um, the, the, the fact of the, the matter is we, we still don't have a rationale. It's, it seems clear at this point that there, there's no one within the chain that is saying that they were declassified. I, I fully get that there are some people that were telling President Trump. It sounds like that John Solomon and that Cash Patel, they were telling him, oh, no. You, you can do it, but you come back to, they're, they're just, it would seem the documents should not have been there. And if they are this top secret and high classified, I, number one, that attorney, for her to say, oh, no, he has people in the office and they, they found it in the drawer, that doesn't. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't sound good. Um, I mean, people can argue back and forth about the classification. But something that, and I'll give him credit, Steve Ducey of Fox News Channel keeps coming back to is, why did he have them? Now, the New York Times has a story where they speculate. It could be just leverage. It could be there's certain dealings. He perceived it as a sense of, I mean, we, we don't know. And... We, we may never know, but you, 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 you can argue, people can try to argue about the different classifications. So he said he declassified it, but I, I still have not heard that. And it, it, it doesn't seem to, to square that if these were just mementos, I think someone said maybe he's writing a book. The, the, the information that they retrieved does not seem to fit that category. I know that, so I got an email from someone who was like, well, I was in the military and blah, blah. That, that, it's not a point of that. It, it, it stands to reason they would not have done this. And, and that the, the answer that we, I, the answer of, well, they're his, that also doesn't match with then, then why wasn't that said back in June? And why were they handing documents over in June? Why did they sign something saying all documents had been handed over if, in fact, they were his? That doesn't make sense either. It just doesn't make sense. So, folks, let's see if we can uh, reach our friend John Francis on this uh, Friday at 149 at Competition Shootings. Folks, joining us on the line right now is the Defender of the Faith, the one and only. Happy Labor Day weekend to John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies. Good afternoon, John Francis. Hi, John. How are you? I hope right now when you're talking to us, you don't have two Marines behind you and you're not with a blood red setting. <laughs> no. Boy, that backdrop was one for the ages, John Francis. Yes, it was. So, all right, let's talk inventory. It's Friday. It's uh, Labor Day weekend kicking off. What do we have for ammo, and what do we have with some of the newer things you may have in stock? Uh, so, again, i got plenty of ammo. Um, I've got plenty of 9 millimeter and twenty two, um, five five six, uh, two twenty three, three oh eight, twelve 228, 308, 12 gauge, uh, 40 caliber ammo. I'm kind of getting low. I've had a run on it this week from various police officers because it's uh, qualification time for a lot of them. Um, so, but I do have more coming uh, for the beginning of next week. Um, let's see. I just got another big shipment of uh, cleaning products as well. Uh, I've got cleaning kits from Slip 2000. So these are what they call rookie kits. Um, I have them for both rifle and handgun. And the kit contains everything a beginner is going to need from the brushes, the swabs, the solvent, the oil, the patches, all in one convenient package, and they're only like 22 bucks a piece. Wow. Now I'm looking at so your... That's a, that's, that's a really great deal. That is really great deal. I'm looking on your Facebook page right now. Uh, what can you tell us about that Ruger? Which one? Yeah. Um, let's start with the uh, the Mark Target. Uh, so the Mark IV Target, I still have that. Um, so that one has, and it, it's the full five and a half inch heavy barrel. So that's like going to be one of the most accurate ones 
that they make. I still have my original one that I purchased back in the 1990s, um, and it's just as accurate uh, then uh, uh, today as it was then. Uh, I still have the uh, the 2245 light. That is a super light alloy uh, gun, so it's a polymer lower with an alloy upper and a stainless steel barrel insert. Wow! So you get you still get the accuracy, but you get it's like half the weight of the standard Mark IV model. Folks, we're speaking with John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies. What about that uh, Mossberg? Uh, that is still here as well. Wow! So that's a uh, that's a model 930 SPX. That's a semi-automatic. Um, that holds, uh, I believe it's seven rounds and it's got the pistol grip. Um, it's got the fixed stock. Uh, it's got the accessory rail on top. Should you want to mount like a red dot scope or something like that? And it also has the, uh, LPA brand, um, ghost ring style sights. So wow. it gives you fairly, very quick target acquisition. Mm. And also, um, folks, John Francis, what about that Sentry Arms? Boy, that's that's different. So that that's a uh, that's one of the latest versions of the AK platform that they make. Uh, it's the BFT forty seven. So this is a special edition veterans model that they make. Um, so all the proceeds, so every one of these that they sell, uh, the proceeds go towards a nonprofit organization that helps out our veterans. Wow! And so and it's and it's got um, right on the stock. It's got embossed into it, veteran. Hmm. uh, for that model and it's got upgraded features that their other standard models don't have and this one is 100% made in the USA wow and the bond arm grizzly that's been spoken for correct that has already been sold. That is amazing. All right, folks, uh, it's John Francis, Competition Shooting Supplies. Now, John Francis, I believe you're closing early tomorrow, but what are your hours for today and tomorrow? Yeah, so today I'm open till 6 o'clock tonight, and tomorrow uh, I'm going to be open 9 to 2. And same thing, folks, you can bring in, if you have, maybe you're a little uh, light, like to be a little more liquid, or maybe you have some handguns, you could certainly bring them in. Uh, you could sell them either maybe to John Francis outright or sell them on consignment. And John Francis, once again, what's the best way? Should someone contact you ahead of time or could they just pop in if they have some that they want to sell? Um, they can do either or. I mean, if they're not sure on what to do as far as the, you know, how to transport them uh, legally, then I would advise giving me a call first and I'll, and I'll walk them through everything they need to know about making sure the guns are unloaded and how to lawfully transport them here. Okay, that makes sense. Folks, again, you can call them at 727-1716. John Francis, I will see you. What time? Do you open 10 o'clock tomorrow or 11? 10. Uh, tomorrow I open at 9. 9? Oh, okay. All right, I will see you in the morning. Do you still have some of those defensive shotguns? I do. Okay, good. I w- you know what? You're the defender of the faith, and I'm going to see you tomorrow. Okay. All right, folks, there it is. John, thank you, John. John Francis, Competition Shooting Supplies, 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. I um I want to come back to folks. Um Steve Ducey of Fox News Channel. They had on Christy Nome of first of all, I, I also I do recognize and it's pretty dramatic. I'm not gonna read it. I I believe I'm gonna see her this month. Remember I'm gonna be in Washington DC broadcasting about the border in just a a couple weeks. But boy um, Ann Coulter has completely, completely jumped off the the Trump bandwagon, as we say. Completely jumped off the Trump bandwagon. There's a piece in the um, in the Boston Globe that she really goes after him. But I want to play. This is so Christy Nome, governor of South Dakota. She was on Fox and Friends and. I thought Steve Ducey was pretty reasonable with her, but just some of the things she's she's talking about, like we need transparency, and I, I don't. I, I want to hear this is her um, on Fox and Friends, and I think Steve Ducey of Fox and Friends 
I thought he was making some very valid points. I do want to let me just play this exchange. It comes down to why did he have all that secret stuff uh, at Mar-a-Lago? You know, I know he, his team has said that they declassified it, but that's news to the agencies that those documents belong to. And and Governor, he he had uh, he had apparently three classified documents in his desk, and then the stuff, as Brian detailed on the floor, it shows uh, five yellow folders marked top secret, and another one with this a secret SCI, which means sensitive compartmentalized information. Those are the biggest secrets in the world. Why would he, and apparently the president, former president, went through them in January. Why wouldn't he say, oh, you know what? I really need to turn that back over. Why did he have all that stuff at Mar-a-Lago? Well, that's why I think it's important that this is transparent and that we do have someone who's outside of the DOJ looking at this and talking to people. What What is this information? We don't know what was in there. We don't know that. I think believe President Trump declassified all this information. Let's find out really what the process is, what is right, what's precedent that other other presidents have followed and make sure that this I don't is done think any governor, governor, I don't think any president has ever carted off that many documents to their house after they left the presidency. Oh, was- you know, that, uh, I, again, this, you can have it one way or the other way. One way or the other way. I'm aware of the clock at 157. You, you can't, you, I'll, I'll tell you what you can't do. If he declassified them and therefore felt, felt that they were his, then why were they giving them back? That, that, that makes no sense. There was no discussion that they had been declassified. I mean, come on. We're, we're, there seemed to be reasonable discussions. They were there in June. He went down. He was cordial. He was in front of them. Hey, let me know if you need anything. We want to help you any way we can. There, there was no talk of, now listen, I have these, but these are these are declassified. It doesn't sound like the type of documents that could be declassified. But I think Steve Ducey raises a very you you can't you can't have it both ways. You you can't say well he declassified them. Therefore, that's why he had them. But then when the, when the DOJ and the FBI were there, there was no mention of that. They signed a document saying they had given everything back. So it's one or the other. If they had said well we we have some stuff, but that. We, th- this has all been, he declassified them. And I, I come back to, well, why would things of that nature then just be in his desk? Now, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I, on the, if we want to look optimistically, the president got really bad legal advice. Or whoever these people were to tell him, oh, no, you can keep those. But what is the point of that? And... I, I, none of this makes sense. It's going to drag out. Hopefully, it'll be straightened out. But that you you can't ignore that in June when they were there, that was like last call. If you have anything, you're going to hand over. So you, this is every this is absolutely everything. I swear. And she signed her name, so she's the one on the hook, folks. It's John DePietro. Uh, listen, enjoy. This Labor Day weekend, we're back on the radio Tuesday at 11. Great job by the great Jeff Gamach. Stay tuned for the 2 o'clock news. WNRI Woonsocket, W260DC. WNRI.